On this episode, we're going to cover the greatest conversion story of possibly the greatest theologian outside of Jesus Christ. Stick around. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us here at Inverse, whether it's by podcast, or whether it's by social media, or whether it's by TV, or whatever other avenue you're watching us. And really glad to have my friends here. We're going to be in, we are in, we have been in the book of Acts. We're going to be mm-hmm. speci- specifically in the book of, or chapter 9, and covering the conversion story of Saul. Uh, I'm really feeling that we need the prayer, uh, uh, we need the Holy Spirit here, and mm-hmm. uh, who, who should we ask to pray? Siku, can you please pray I for us? Pray. <laughs> we can get rolling here. Okay, let's pray. Loving Father, we're so thankful for the gift of your word. We're thankful for what we can learn from scripture and not just learning intellectually, but that it would transform our lives. And to that end, we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us understand your word and apply it to our lives and bring about the transformation that we see that happened in the life of Paul. We pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 9 in verse 15. And uh, Jared, can you read verse 15? Yeah. It says, But the Lord said to him, Go, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Hey, Sebastian, this is a verse taken out of the, the narrative. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a really great story. It's a, it's a famous story. Yes. Uh, I'm very excited about it. And we can spend probably the entire quarter just on this, the entire 13 weeks on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's, what's, why, why 15? Why is it a key verse? Mm-hmm. And kind of branch us out. And what's the context we're coming from? Well, essentially, you're dealing with Saul, who was persecuting the church, was there consenting under Stephen's death, right, as we looked at in previous episodes. And that apparently began to sow the seeds in Paul's heart about Jesus Christ and his followers. Mm -hmm. And then in this instance where he gets the rights from the church to say, yeah, you can go kidnap wherever you need to and stop the Christian church from growing in this area, right, in Damascus. Mm -hmm. So as he's on that road, we know the story. Christ meets him. He says, who are you, Lord? You know, he says, I'm Jesus. Why are you persecuting me, et cetera, et cetera. And then he says, what would you have me to do? And essentially Jesus calls him. And in that same period, he's blind, but now God kind of shifts over, kind of like while here in Paul's blindness, he shifts to another location, and it's Ananias, who's this leader of the church. And he's like, Ananias, I want you to go, and I want you to give him his sight back. Mm -hmm. So it's like, here's this guy who's been putting fear and terror in your heart, in the heart of your followers, and God is now coming to you in your house and like, hey, I want you to give him his sight back and ultimately baptize him you know, and bring him into the fellowship of the church. Mm-hmm. And so Ananias is like, Lord, but we've heard a lot of things about this man as if God is making a mistake. Yeah. And then God says what we read in this verse, which is go because he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Yeah, I think it's one of the most comical verses in scripture, verse 13. Yeah. Yes. You know, and it's an Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard. From many about this man. You know, Lord, I got some intel here that maybe that I maybe want to share with you. This just in, um, and, in case you didn't know in your divine uh, records of all knowledge, uh, you seem to have missed a very crucial point. As you were calling Saul, 
He's been persecuting the church. Are right. you aware of this? Right. Yeah. Right. He continues on to say how much harm he has done to your saints mm-hmm. in Jerusalem. He's like, hey, this is your project. These are your people. Do you do you know what's going on? Verse 14, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind on all who call on your name. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord is just responding. And in many ways, he, he doesn't even have to, but he does. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very, very dramatic story of Paul of, of Saul. Um, why? Why? Why do you think God chose? Why, why Saul? Why? It's kind of the equivalent of mm-hmm. you know the Lord calling Osama bin Laden to be your local church pastor, or you know Saddam Hussein, or this. You know. This is something that God does, I think, just to mm-hmm. demonstrate His power and His wisdom, and just. It, God just does these crazy things that are so strange in human reckoning. Um, and it can only really demonstrate the, the power and the wisdom of God. I mean, I know that, that Sebastian, you just, you know, covered a whole lot of, of details. And we just mm-hmm. laughed at Ananias and how mm. I, he was probably pretty freaked out. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy could have single-handedly decimated the early mm. church, right? But he was renowned for just relentlessly pursuing Christians and, and destroying it. He had good reason to be a little bit freaked out by this. So then it, it raises the question, right, Jared, like, if God came to you, right, is there some person in your mind that if God came to you based on your kind of limited knowledge of that person's life and it's kind of like, hey, go to this person and support them and encourage them and bring them into fellowship, that you would be hesitant to bring that person in based on what you have seen of their life. And something supernatural has happened in that person's life unbeknownst to you, mm-hmm. right? So it's like that reticent that reticence that um, Ananias is bringing to the situation seems to suggest that God is not just doing this for Saul. He's also doing it for Ananias and the church. It's true. And, and it's it's talking to, speaking to the question that you asked about God choosing Saul, you know, in chapter 8, verse 1, yes. when we, chapter 7 talks about Stephen, he preaches the sermon, and then he is stoned to death. And it says, now Saul was consenting to his death. And then he co- continues to talk about the persecution that arose. And then you come back in chapter 9 to Saul and his conversion experience. So Saul was there when the sermon that Stephen preached that cut people to their heart. And it seems that everybody who was there had some conviction experience Mm. from the sermon that Stephen was preaching. So when Jesus addresses him in verse 5, he says, I am Jesus who you're persecuting. And then he says, it is hard for you to kick against the gourds. Mm. It's like there's something that happened in Saul's heart. There were seeds that were planted in Saul's heart. And, you know, we can't see what's happening in people's hearts, that God is working on their lives, Mm. right? It seems, though, that the, Saul was fighting even more against the cause, it would seem, in re- response to the conviction that he felt in his mm. life. So the same way that they pushed St- Stephen out and they were fighting against him, Saul took it to the next level. He's like, I'm not just going to stone Stephen to death. I'm going to go hunt them down in their cities. But it was actually a response to what conviction he felt in his own heart mm-hmm. for, of the truth of Jesus Christ as Lord because and Savior. Because he was following what, what he thought was God's will. Yes. He and, was persecuting mm-hmm. a, a offshoot group. In Which was sense. dangerous in what they were teaching, mm-hmm. right? You're removing the hope of Israel. Oh, the hope has come. And Paul's thinking, no, it hasn't, right? So... Think of how dangerous that is, right? Mm. People saying, well, Jesus has come, the Messiah has come, but it hasn't. You would be, you know, obviously remiss if you didn't take ownership and responsibility to say, I, as a theologian of the Jewish religion, 
you know, studied under Gamaliel, all these different things. Like, no, you can't allow this to continue. Like, this is serious heresy. And I think the, the other point that, that jumps is here is that there's a misdirected zeal in, in Saul's life where you're dealing with a, a, a hundred percenter, right? He was 100% in the world, right? There was no halfway with him in terms of where he was. 100% in the Lord. In, sorry, I mean, in, in terms of Jewish religion, he mm -hmm. was 100% where well, he whatever was. Whatever he does, he, he goes he all, all in. All exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is a, a sign of you say, well, why would God choose someone? What better vessel than to choose someone that if you can reach his heart, he's 100% in versus someone else who's like, eh, you know, I'll slow, you know, Lord, let me first bury my father, mm -hmm. right? Jesus uses that illustration. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that's another good reason why. God would choose him because of that misdirected zeal. His issue was not his zeal. It was where that zeal was fight, what the cause the zeal was fighting for. Mm -hmm. I mean, do we do this? I mean, we did, like, like uh, Jared's called us out on, we, we did laugh a little bit at Ananias. Maybe that was a little unfair. And, mm -hmm. and, um, but we do, we, do, we do similar things in our day, don't we, in mm -hmm. our local church? And like, hey, how about, how about Siku as, as whatever position? I'm like, well, you know, I have heard much about this woman, and uh, <laughs> she she's got a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Yeah. And how do? We, what is the balance in this? Where one extreme is like, well, don't judge anyone, don't talk about him, don't. Mm. They're a murderer, they're a rapist, but we can't judge them for those acts. We should and allow we them to be our church pastor. Or <laughs> the other extreme is we analyze everything Detail. that they've ever done, and then they've totally are not qualified to do anything. Where's the balance? Help me out. Here, Jesus Jerry. says that by their fruits. You you will know them, okay? So, again, you can't really fault Ananias for, you know, judging a book by its cover, so to speak, because he's looking at the fruits and he's saying, this is, this is a dangerous guy. But as, as you were speaking, Siku, it, it made me reflect on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it talks about love, hoping all things, Believing all things, enduring all things, bearing all things, bearing all things. Do, do we do we do this with each other? This is what God did with Saul, believing that he had potential, that he had leadership qualities, that he would, with his mind, reworking the education that he already had, that there was this explosive potential with this guy and the Spirit upon him and in him to make a tremendous difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to say that that's a rebuke to me because mm -hmm. I don't always believe in other people like that. Mm -hmm. I Definitely. don't believe in myself like that many mm -hmm. times because I know my own faults and imperfections and weaknesses of, of, of character and all of those things. Mm -hmm. So uh, so that's an interesting observation. We do that to ourselves. We, we, I think we all do that to ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. so we tell the Lord, I have heard much about myself. Yeah. You, know? Yeah, you don't God know me. You don't know me calling. the way that I know yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> and and for, for, for Ananias to go, it was because God said so, right? Mm. So when God says, seek who go do this, not because I think I'm awesome, right? But <laughs> okay, Lord, because I trust you. Right. Mm. And Ananias, he ended up going not because he was like, OK, well, I guess Saul is not a bad guy. It was like, OK, well, God said I should go. And not even because it makes sense. Right. Like, OK, you've convinced me now. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, he hadn't yet. It was more like, I trust you. And because I trust you, I will obey. Mm -hmm. And I also think there's an element here to your point, Justin, that we have to ask ourselves the constant question. Do we really believe the gospel? Mm -hmm. Because here God is telling Ananias in the verse that Paul has seen a man in vision, who is you, hmm. coming to him. And he's telling him where to go, what house to knock mm -hmm. on. I mean, this is already supernatural. Like, 
I'm going to tell you where he is, which house he's in, inquire for him. He's seen a vision of you coming to him. So it's like God has given him so much evidence that he's already working in Saul's life. And I think this is where that point of should Siku serve in X, Y, and Z position or this person in that position or doing this task, it comes back down to do I believe the gospel? Do I believe that Jesus has the power to transform a Saul, which is why his testimony um, and experience here is so significant? Mm -hmm. Because up until this point, who we've seen converted, you know, crowds, you know, nameless individuals who are convicted very close to the event of the cross. Paul Mm -hmm. is removed Mm -hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. So you can't come and be like, you kill, you crucified Jesus. I don't think he was there. Yeah. You know, and it's crazy that Ananias would go because in him going, he was willing to risk his own life yeah. to follow God. Because all mm-hmm. he knows about this guy, aside from what Jesus, what Jesus just told him, right. is that he's a murderer. And yeah. he was willing to go anyways. Yeah, and it takes one crazy person to reach out to another crazy person. We'll look at this story after the break. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey, welcome back, guys. We're looking at the crazy story of, of Saul, who turned into Paul, and also the crazy person of Ananias, who's going out and risking his life. Mm-hmm. Siku, can we kind of backtrack a little bit and go to verse 5? And Paul says here, or Saul, Saul Paul says here in verse 5, And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Two questions. What is kicking against the goad? What's a goad? Why are you kicking against it? Why is he kicking against it? And then number two is, what is that indicative of? Like, what's, uh, and this is not to you, but to the rest of you guys, like, is this a punctiliar conversion event? Or has this been, are there other threads that have fed into this? And this is a climax of sorts. Take Um... Kicking against the goats, I'm going to appeal to the panel. I think it's got to do with, you know, like uh, the oxen when yes. they were pulling the... And they want to send them a certain direction, right. so they put thorns there. And if they walk that direction, they get poked, which... So here, Saul's been, he's actually being poked by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. to a certain direction, and he's he's going against it. Mm-hmm. That's right. So this is just co- a code word. Maybe if we kind of take away the analogy, is why that fighting why are you co- fighting conviction? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then, why, where are where are possible other points where he's been his conscience was pricked? I mean, and this, we're leading up to this point. Well, for one is most likely Stephen's sermon because the reaction, yeah, Yeah. he was there, it says he was there consenting to his death, but the consent to his death, the people who wanted to kill Stephen was because in verse 54, chapter 7, is because they were convicted, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and so that's why they wanted to kill Stephen, so that's one point, yeah, to get Mm -hmm. rid of the conviction, Mm -hmm. and likely another place, later on in in Acts, we find out that um, Paul's mentor, Saul's mentor, Mm -hmm. um, theological mentor was Gamaliel. And in Acts chapter 5, when they're looking to persecute the church, Gamaliel, um, he counsels that don't be careful how you deal with this group, because if if this is not of God, then it will come to nothing. Mm-hmm. But it, if it is of God, then you're going to be fighting against God himself and you will come to nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Basically. And so Jesus shows up to him and now he says, why you you're kicking against the gods? You're mm-hmm. fighting mm-hmm. conviction. And there, it seems, at least in the narrative, that there were these points that 
should have raised some question marks in Saul's mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that goes to the fact that in our conversion experience, it's oftentimes hard to really define that moment. Because when you truly think about your experience, even if you can yeah. say, I went to a meeting or Justin gave me a Bible study or, you know, Siku, I saw her interacting with her kids and it just pricked my conscience about my relationship with God as a father like, and a mother. So you're kind of like, man, but truth be told, there were little goads along the way right. that you were kicking against before that moment. Yeah. So, you know, we, a, lot of time, a lot of people use the Damascus Road experience as like, you know, they saw Jesus and he was converted. Boom. And boom like yep. you became Paul. And like, I needed the uh, Damascus uh, Road experience. And mm -hmm. I want boom and then boom. But <laughs> we're seeing that it's not boom. It's like blah, 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 all throughout the time. Right. Um, yeah. Gamaliel. Yeah. And all these little things come to a climax at Damascus Road. And you know, the other beautiful piece that Siku brought up, which I think is just so profound, is that he's going against his mentor's counsel, mm. right? Because Gamaliel's counsel is leave them. leave them alone. Paul is doing the exact opposite. So it's not only that he's kicking against the goads of conviction, but even his own mentor, mm -hmm. who yeah. he respects, and is like, look, I really don't think this is the best way to handle this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because if you're wrong, the risk of being wrong is too great. Yeah. So just go ahead and hold off. If it's nothing, we don't even have to worry about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if it's something and you're wrong, I mean, the, the implications are enormous. Yeah. Jared? I was just going to say, Paul talks about this in Acts chapter 22, verse 20. Acts 22, yeah. 20. Just building on what, what Siku said. And it says here, and, and Paul speaking, When the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Mm -hmm. So um, in Acts chapter 7, at the end of 7, it says that they, they took their, their garments and they laid, laid them, them at, at the feet of Saul. So he's almost like he's presiding over this. And you hear this kind of echo so in his voice. So he's not like a, a doorman here collecting coats from people. He's in a position of authority. No, they're saying here, like yeah. he's, he's, he's watching and kind of presiding over, over this stuff. And he, you can hear him as he's reflecting back. This is, this is a, a, a tipping moment. point. Mm -hmm. his experience. And I think, I know we're, we're harking back to the, the point that was made before, but the importance of not um, being so close-minded when God is working in people's lives. Yes. Because all of this that was happening in Saul's heart, as a Christian, you would think the exact opposite. This was the enemy of the church, right? But in reality, this was the person that God was reaching out to. This was the person that God was trying to reach. And it makes me wonder the people that, um, that maybe are meanest to us the people who are really cruel, the people who cause us the most hurt, that yeah. maybe that's the person that God is really trying to reach out to wow. and maybe to change the way that I think of them or react to, towards them. Perhaps that's why mm. Jesus said, pray for your enemies. And I would even take it a step wow, further to say really like good, yeah. the Perfect demoniac God. coming to Jesus and saying, what do I have to do with you, right? Mm. His only way to cry for help was to curse Jesus. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people cursing you and not doing good to you and persecuting you is their cry for help. Right. Because if we look in Paul's conversion in Acts 26 when he describes, and God says, I'm calling you to bring people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto the power of God, Saul was under the power of Satan. Mm. And being under the devil is a terrible dictator. Mm -hmm. And therefore, his persecution kicking against the goats, and it's like, well, I feel this conviction, but you know, my pride won't let me surrender to this, or whatever it is. You're you're basically kicking against these thorns and the prick and the pain that's coming from that. You can't help yourself, mm -hmm. and so it's almost as if you're delivering the person, 
And like you just said, it's like, man, this person gives me so much grief. What if that's their cry for help rather than for correction or for guidance or for, you know, clarification for themselves and like, hey, you know what you need? You need help. And that's very difficult to do to say you get under my skin and I want to take your hand and come and kneel down and pray with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a difficult thing to do Mm -hmm. because I got to put myself aside in order to do that. You know, one thing I really appreciate about this story is I just love the juxtaposition in verse 4. Then, or verse, verse 3, he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You see this transcendent Jesus, you know, and he's coming out of the sky and light. And then you have later on verse 11. And I just think it's, I, I don't know, just this contrast is, is humorous, not humorous in a frivolous way, but mm-hmm. just very impactful for me is verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. You have this, you have this God who's so transcendent and almost far removed and he's appearing from the sky. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of verses later, you have this God who's so imminent, right. so in tune with every detail amongst us that he knows the address. Yeah. Third house the, on the left. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the email address, the, the room number. Like he just knows the house mm-hmm. of Judas mm-hmm. and you want to go here. Like he just knows all these things about mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And all these things in the personality of God work towards the saving of Saul. Beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful. I mean, it's like I used to read about in India how they have the wedding garments that they sew together, the weavers, mm. and how tedious it is and takes so many months and weeks of work of interweaving all these different colorful threads and somehow it comes out with this beautiful mm. pattern when you step back and then bring all the threads together. Mm. And it's like God is like that grand weaver, you know, where he's essentially saying, yeah, this detail of which house Saul went to and here we know he knows it. But now in our time, right, he doesn't necessarily go to the guy who led to my conversion was like, Sebastian's going to be involved in hip hop in this place on campus in this room. But somehow in Providence, that guy who doesn't go to my college, who didn't even know I was there and didn't know I was seeking, just happens to appear in that room looking for a book in that library at that specific time. And it's like God just wove that together. Mm -hmm. And then you step back and you're just like, wow, like. God literally devises means, right, to yeah. find people and yeah. to bring them back to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go to verse 20, 20 and we'll, we'll close off with this passage here. Verse 20, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Mm-hmm. 21, let's see if you can read for us. Then all, then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. What are some practical elements we can get from that passage? And, you know, the story of of Saul is an amazing, beautiful conversion. But let's, what's the takeaway here? That people can say, that's a nice testimony, but what can we get away from that? I, I appreciate in verse 22 where it talks about Saul increasing more in strength. He confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus. When it says proving that this Jesus is the Christ, um, naturally my mind thinks about he was probably, you know, um, it was apolog- an apologetic exercise, you know, and he was going through the scriptures and, and I'm sure there were elements of that um, because we see all that he wrote in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But the very fact <laughs> that Paul was there among Christians and not murdering them Come on. was proof 
that Jesus is the Christ. Mm. His very life, the, the transformation that had taken place in his life was evidence of the power of the gospel. His Amen. life was the apologetic. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so Paul becomes an argument in favor of the gospel. And we're talking about what, what we can take away from it. The transformation that could happen in my life through mm. an encounter with Christ without having to go and preach sermons yes. and, you know, going to theology school or, or whatever mm -hmm. it is, those things are great. But my very life can become evidence that the gospel has power to change somebody. And you can be that far gone that. that you're persecuting the church mm -hmm. right. and God can still reach you. And that, that's my kind of personal takeaway from Paul is that wherever I may feel how dark I am and how bleak it is around me, and I feel like, man, I've gone too far. I've consented into the death of one of the greatest you know, deacons in the church. Mm -hmm. Like, these are all the things. I've kidnapped women and children and put them in prison. And you can down yourself for your past because they say here in the text, mm -hmm. is this not he who destroyed? Mm -hmm. yeah. So you think about the fact that before we knew Jesus, we were destroyers. Like, there were things we were destroying. And when we come to Jesus, people are going to remember who you used to be. Yeah. And it's, it's what I like to call a but now experience. It's like, I was this, right? But, but now, mm -hmm. this is that, that conversion twist. And the fact that, no matter how dark my past and the stains, that in that moment in time, God's grace and the blood of Jesus can reach me even there. Amen. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I've gone too far. I feel like I've gone too dark. And that's an encouragement, not just at conversion, but even on the journey back to heaven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jared, final yeah. takeaway? Final takeaway, I think some of the hardest nuts to crack, some of the most difficult people, some of the most stubborn um, God can take those very qualities in people that the devil is using to persecute and for his own advantage and whatever and the resistance of the kingdom of God and its destruction. God can take those very things and turn them around mm. and use them for a blessing in the building of a church. It's like no. when the Israelites are trying to cross the Red Sea and you have this, the, these, these, these waters of the Red Sea, which is basically going to be their death because they're stuck between the sea and Pharaoh's army. God uses that and opens it up and it winds up becoming their deliverance. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is just something that God takes pleasure in doing of just mm. flipping my lid and blowing my mind and doing something where you just say, only God can do that. Mm -hmm. And that's the business that he's in. Mm -hmm. Amen. I, I love uh, verse 20. It says, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Amen. And he, this is kind of the, the motif for Saul from this point on as he's now Paul. He's he, preaching Christ. You know, sometimes we, we hear a lot of sermons in churches that may talk about Christ, that may talk uh, about Jesus, but it's not the preaching of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And here, Saul has really um, come to grips in embodying uh, a Christ-centered message. Amen. Uh, my takeaway has been um, not only to have an apologetic for Jesus, but for my life to be the apologetic for Jesus, as I'm kind of picking up from what Siku is saying here. And uh, that's my prayer. Uh, hopefully that's your prayer. Hopefully it's your prayer, you guys watching. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week here in Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.